I'll have what she's having. Welcome to episode 31 of the Our Better Half podcast, where the topic is sex in the second half of life. I'm Laura Listermensch. Our guest today will be Beth Liebling, the owner of a new romance shop in Houston, Texas. I met Beth at my first, and also her first, Woodhall Sexual Freedom Summit. I overheard her talking about her shop, and I caught on to her passion for the work early on in the event. I'll let her tell you why she got into the business, over 50, why it matters to her, and what her kids and her banker thought of the idea. Hello, Beth. Hi, Laura. How are you? I am very well today. You have a shop called Darling Way, but when you were a kid, what did you think you'd be doing at this age? I don't think I knew what I wanted to do. I probably, if I could have chosen, I wanted to either play in the Major League Baseball as the first female player mm. or dance on Broadway. Sadly, I had zero talents in either of those aspects, but my lesser admirable traits were that I wanted to write books for parents about how to talk to their kids about sex. I wanted to talk and write to children about sex because my parents didn't know how to do any of those things and nobody in my world did and I wanted to know more. Tell us about the store and how it fits into that dream. The store came about because I had been married for 22 years, had five kids, had a granddaughter, been practicing family law and helping people get divorced for so long and had quit that because it was just too depressing and too wearing on my soul. Mm. But when I got divorced, I wanted to find the woman that I just hadn't been in forever. And I looked around to try to figure out where the concept of dating was so foreign, but even what to put on to go on a date, to find any lingerie that, that felt good or anything that would help me feel like I might even have a shred of that romantic, sexy, sensual person still in me. I looked around for where to where to turn for this, and I, I couldn't find it. And that's when I realized that I wasn't the only person that mm. needed some place to go. I was looking for myself, but I wanted some place to help me find it. Mm. How old are you? I am almost 51. Mm -hmm. So I was 44 when I got divorced. And the idea of Darling Way, although I didn't have the name yet, but the idea was born then, and it took me just several years to get the courage and guts up to actually start it. Wow. When did you open? We opened in our storefront three months ago. Mm -hmm. We opened just in my home nine months ago, just mm -hmm. by appointments only and trying to learn our way around what it is to have a retail store. Help us imagine when we walk in the front door, what do we see? I have trouble telling you exactly what you see. It's, it's a very strange thing, but I am a word person. I am a feeling person. I'm not an artistic person. So it's so much easier for me to tell you what, what the feelings are. Oh, I love it. The feelings that we were looking to create. And it's really the universe um, helps when we, when we follow our destiny. It conspires to help us. So when I started talking about this store, my vision, my dream was that somehow it was going to feel like an old Paris mansion, that it was going to be warm and inviting and everything should be able to be touched. And you, you wouldn't want to take your hands off anything. You'd, you'd rub them over the chairs, the wallpaper, the, the, the fabrics on the walls, and that it would be that intimate 
um, as going into a dear friend's home, or I always think of it as Jackie Onassis's home, because to me, she was the epitome of, of sexy and yet still elegant and classy. And somehow or another, we wound up actually in a 1920s little cottage mm. that is truly darling. So when you walk in, we call it our parlor room. Then you can follow through and come to our sitting room. And we have a dressing area, and then we have our boudoir slash frisky room. <laughs> and I do, I treat it as our as my home, and I our front rooms are safe and comfortable so that you could walk in with your granddaughter or your grandmother or your niece and be perfectly fine. It's just warmly inviting and fun. There's definitely smiles all the way around. You'll see lotions and potions and some rose petals in a little box some beautiful silk negligees hanging. The sitting room, you'll get a little bit more. You'll have more of the bras and the the knickers displayed. Things for men. We have men's unders and loungewear. You can sit and have conversations. Men can come. Women can come. Um, My granddaughter, who's nine years old, comes and works in the store. It's my home. We can have conversations there about anything from the weather and politics to intimate subjects. It feels like home and I want people to know that they belong and that they're always welcome. What kind of products do you have? We are all about romance. So anything that we think is romantic, running from whether your version of romance is candles and chocolates or it's lingerie or stockings or shoes, you know, very few people can put on a three-inch pair of heels and feel anything less than than a little bit sexy. And then all the way to in our boudoir frisky room, we have leather goods, we have collars, we have all sorts of romantic props for people to play with, and we even have frisky furniture. <laughs> we try to make it appealing to anyone and everyone because we want people to know that whatever they like, that's okay, and you can try things and... You can see them and not be scared of them. If you don't like them, you don't like them. And then we have all sorts of drawers and cabinets. And we tell people, please go through our cabinets. It's like going into somebody's house and searching their bathroom cabinet. (laughs) If you want to know what's in there, we want you to look. And then if you have questions, we will answer anything. If you see something you don't want to see, you close the drawer and you keep moving on. And that's okay, too. It strikes me that there are at least three things that you might be really selling. So I want to ask you which one is primarily the thing that you think you're selling. One would be permission to be sexual. One would be information about being sexual. And the other would be products that one might use in one's sex life. So of the three, permission, information, or products, which would you say is mostly what you are providing? Laura, I don't really know moderation. So I would tell you that all of those are are integral to to Darling Way. Mm. That without any of them, it falls short. I don't think I could tell you one more than the other. In addition to permission, actually, it's awareness that Mm. one can be, that our boundaries right now are so artificially set and limited as to be constricting for most people, not the way it needs to be or it should be if we want to help promote relationships, long-term, healthy, happy, joyful relationships. If we were simply focused on products, I would not be doing this. My passion is not retail in and of itself. My passion is not actually lingerie. Those are a way for people to start. That our society allows 
people to do. Everybody, every woman has permission, as you as you so nicely put it, to buy underwear and bras. So that gives them the excuse to walk in. After that, then yes, what we do is we allow people to to open the doors to think about opportunities that aren't normally associated with professional, successful, healthy people, mm. and particularly for middle-aged women to remember and reconnect with that little naughty side of ourselves, that joyful, um, experimental, open-mindedness and desire for physical connection, intimacy, and pleasure. So you mentioned getting older. Is that mostly your clientele? Originally, I wanted it to be a place where people my age, middle-aged people, would be able to come in and to find what what I was looking for um, and to find what they would like. What's happened is, is that we've created a place that feels good for them and they will come in. And yet we also are having a lot of younger people earlier in their relationships come in. And I'm happy about that because I hope that that means that they will, they will grow in their relationship with these possibilities and these ideas and resources and not allow things to get stagnant. as So many of us have done in the past through lack of awareness or opportunity or thought or perhaps recognizing the significance of what happens then. Mm. So what does your family think? <laughs> um, that has been interesting. I told my children about this. As I mentioned, I have five kids. So they're now between 19 and 29. And I told them about this idea about three or four years ago when I really was thinking I would get serious about it. They were all incredibly hesitant but supportive. And my oldest son, when he was probably 11 or 12, he used to tell his friends, don't ask my mom because she will tell you and I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so they, they knew I was driving my middle son um, to, to go on a, a Euro trip post high school with several of his other guy friends. And on the way there, I forced them to stop at the drugstore to load up on condoms because not a one of them was carrying one. Mm -hmm. And these were all really wonderful, good boys. But, but who knows? They're going to Europe. They're young. They're, I said, every one of you should have a couple in your pocket. If you don't use them, fine. If you do use them, fine. But you sure, certainly don't want to be searching for those at some crazy, crazy hour of the night. And nobody wants to face the consequences otherwise. So... These are conversations that I've tried to have with my children. And so they understood, they know there's this need for me and they know that, that I really, uh, I have this need to try to help people find happiness and that this is the way that I do it that's different than lots of other people. So they were surprised <laughs> and nervous, but they were supportive and now they've all been there. My daughter works there. My granddaughter's helped me. My granddaughter says, Bubby, you have some weird stuff in the frisky room. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, uh, how about your accountant and the people that uh, you went to for zoning? Like, how, What kind of responses have you had? 
oh, Houston doesn't have zoning, but that's a whole dish, different issue. I've definitely, I struggled with, with landlords and trying to help them understand my vision that it's different from others. And I would, I would explain, explain that because I think that the term romance store these days has, has been sort of denigrated. I think it's important when I think of quote romance stores, I realize that they, some of them are just sort of corner level. Some of them are really, you know, divey corner level stores. Some of them get up to say a Seven Eleven. The nice ones get up to a Target. They're, you know, fun to shop in, but they're very cold and bright and clean. And you don't go there to make a serious investment. You go there for uh, some extras, some fun, some lighthearted something, and but not true long-lasting quality. But we all enjoy those things. Lots and lots and lots of different options there. Darling Way, on the other hand, we want to be the Neiman Marcus of romance. We want to have products that are quality, that mean something to people, that are not just dismissive. We are not about many of the the current stores around are very focused on the orgasm. Mm. You get an orgasm, hey, hit BIO, you've hit the, the jackpot, that's it, ding dong, that's all over. For us, for Darling Way, the romance is one part. And it's truly, it's the, it's the intimacy, the comfort with yourself and with others. It's the relationships. It's the, it's the mind, the body, and the heart. Those are all equally important to us. With that in mind, landlords didn't understand, and it's been difficult in a conservative place like Houston. But, but we've found a very a wonderful landlord, this beautiful house, and I think that was meant to be. My financial advisors, my my first one who will be on my board for as long as he will possibly allow me to have him, is a more mature, very a religious family man. And when I broached the subject with him over the telephone, because I didn't want to have to have him blush in front of me or call a meeting quickly. So I tried to explain over the telephone my business plan before we sat down face to face. His take gave me inspiration to go on because he said that not only did he think it was a good business idea, but he thought it was a great community service. Mm. And that's exactly what it is. This needs to be financially successful because we need to be there for our communities. But if this were financially successful and didn't really satisfy and help people's souls, I would be doing something else. Hmm. The money is not what drives me, but the, the smiles, the anticipation, the love, the warmth, the happiness, all of those things, that means everything. People with cancer, people with illness, people with disabilities, they come into the store, we play dress up, we talk about ways that they can have romance, even though they thought they would never have it again. And when they leave smiling, I have tears in my eyes. So tell me about the name, Darling Way. Darling Way is because my last name means darling or loved one in German. And we wanted a way of expressing affection and romance and love in our name and a family-friendly name. So Darling Way just seemed perfect. Hmm. I'm proud of it and I love it. And we, unlike other companies, we want our packaging to be seen. We expect that when 
anybody sees a Darling Way bag, they smile because they know somebody's happy. It doesn't matter what's in the bag. It's all about happy and sharing it. And even if it's just sharing with yourself, pleasing yourself and taking care of yourself, loving yourself, it's all win. And that's that's it. There's nothing bad that comes out of our store. And we are happy for people to know that. And we want people to raise their children knowing this. Look for love. Find a partner that you want to be with and play with for the whole rest of your life. It's so exciting. <laughs> can, I, can I go off on a tangent for a moment? Of course. One of the things that seems so silly, but as a lawyer and a word nerd, words really matter to me. And we use the, the term romantic props because I think that we should all consider romantic encounters like a stage show. You can have a one-person stage show, and it can be just the most wonderful show ever. You can add lights. You can add a microphone. You can add a guitar, which would be a prop. You can change the show significantly with just very minor adjustments. From there, you can add another person. You can add backdrops. You can add costumes. You can add a whole cast if you want. You can add music. You can add as many different props as you want. And every person has the right to like whatever shows they want. But you shouldn't ever be limited that you only get to like a certain kind of show. And no one should ever see the same show every single night for the whole life. And that's what I want people to think of. When they come in and they look around our boudoir and our frisky area, those are props. They're not meaningless. They're not dismissive. They're beautiful. They're carefully curated. They mean something. And you can use them once. You can use them a few times. You can use them only in this kind of show, not this kind of show. Or you can decide these aren't your favorite props and get other ones. And that's okay. But nobody should be afraid to have a whole prop closet in their home ever. <laughs> Tell me a story of a, a customer that really sticks out in your mind. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one story. It's It was not actually a customer. It was my father, and I may embarrass him to death, but I will share it. <laughs> my 75-year-old father, who'd never been in any sort of romance store his whole life, who's been a complete prude, admittedly, his whole life, he and his girlfriend were at my house for Passover when my shop was in my home, and she picked up a a, a prop and started flinging it. And I yelled across the room, oh, don't, don't, don't. That's not a flogger. She's like, wait, aren't you supposed to like hit people with this? I was like, no, that's what a flogger is. But what you're holding is an anal plug with a foxtail. <laughs> and I then had to explain to my father and his girlfriend what an anal plug was because they'd never heard of such a thing. <laughs> How did he respond? He blushed, but he was... He heard it, and he he laughed. My family laughed. It was a moment I would never have imagined I could have in my whole life. But it was to me, it was beautiful because this is this is what I want for others. This is what I want for me. And it was funny, and we'll joke about it forever now. You sound like you're having a lot of fun doing this. I have so much fun doing this because it's all about the people, and that's what that's what fuels me. I was in family law because I liked hearing people's stories and I wanted to help and I, I'm good at relationships and people can tell me secrets and know that that's okay and I, I don't judge them. I, I can 
I like people. I really like people. And so I like what I do. Getting people together and bringing happiness is so much better than getting people divorced. (laughs) You said at the beginning that part of this started because you were looking yourself. You were seeking your own happiness. So has this process and this work you're doing had an effect on yourself as well? Oh, absolutely. After long-term marriages, we all come out and we have to sort through the who we are from who our former partners thought we were. I had a lot of battling to do within myself, including the fact that, that romantically we hadn't had a great relationship for a very long time. Like most type A personalities, I tried to take it on and think it was my challenge. And But I thought maybe I wasn't capable of having a really engaging, wonderful, romantic life. This has helped me realize that that I can own it, that I can admit it, that I can think about it, and that it's okay. And even when my children see me wearing high heels or see me smiling or see me touch my, my partner, that it's okay. And I deserve it and I can have it and I don't ever want to live without it again. Hmm. So when do you envision retiring? <laughs> I don't know that I would want to retire because I always want to talk to people. What I would love to have happen would, would be that I will run the education outreach part, the social part of our Darling Way business, that I will spend my time doing presentations and romantic concierge with people planning different romantic events and helping them Oh, everything from helping them do their dating, online dating profiles to planning their 50th anniversary celebration, whatever it takes, counseling them through rough times after illness or cancer. If I can spend my time with people and talking about these ways that I can help, then I'm not sure I'll ever want to retire. I just may have to limit my hours, but there's, there's never going to be anything that fuels me like this fuels me. Wow. So we met at the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Summit. It was your first time at that event, right? Yes. What'd you think? I loved it. I loved it. I loved meeting so many people from different areas of the country that were all seeking to help others the way that I am trying to. And yet each of us is doing it in our own unique way. It is inspiring. The, I, the fact that you were doing podcasts was an avenue I had never even really thought of. And it's wonderful. Having the, the synergy of a, of a core mission just feels good. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting. And I thrive on other people's happiness and success. So going back to my business and seeing what everybody else was doing and how much fun they were having just motivates me to keep going and meet more people, find out new options, new opportunities. And really together, we're going to change the way that our society sees romance and sensuality. Where would people find information about Darling Way and how can they come visit you? We are online at darlingway.com, just one word, darlingway.com. And our shop is in the Heights, 
in Houston, Texas. Our address is 3423 White Oak Drive. Zip code is 77007. So we would love to have them stop by in person or stop by online. We also have a newsletter that we send out once every week or two weeks, often with some sort of blog or article. And we would love to have them subscribe to that. And they can find that subscription notice on our website at darlingway.com. Thank you, Beth. This has been a delight. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I have enjoyed it and can't wait to talk with you more in the future. Beth Liebling told me another very sweet story, and I want to share it with you. I had one woman come in that when she she walked in, she had no idea what Darling Way was. When she found out it was romance, even though she'd been married for a lot of years, she basically turned to walk out and she said, oh, I've had I've had cancer for so many years. And really, my husband and I don't have any intimacy anymore. And she just starts to walk out. And I kept the conversation going. And an hour and a half later, after we had talked about the fact that even if she couldn't participate in vaginal intercourse easily because of all the damage and everything that had been done and the lack of moisture and stuff, we talked about anal sex. Her response as soon as I mentioned anal was shame, shame, shame. Oh, how could I do that? That's horrible, shameful. After the time with me, she walked out smiling, realizing that thinking about anal sex, she should think naughty, which makes her smile. Way better term than shame. And she had a book. She had some props. She had the proper lube. She was going home and her husband was going to be on top of the world for who knows how long. And that's, to me, that was my favorite memory. But I didn't know that you want to go into anal sex right away on your blog. (laughs) (laughs) It's keel break time. Let's all do our Jack LaLanne on our pelvic floor muscles to fight incontinence and improve orgasms. Come on, old people. And now, here is a man who will show you how to feel better, look better, Jack LaLanne. Oh, here's a movement you're going to like. Let's do it sitting down, huh? I hope you have a chair handy. Remember, just a kitchen chair or a dining room chair, anything will be fine. Thanks again for letting me come into your home. All right, let begin. One, two, three, four... Sing along with me, come on. Dee-dee. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Come on, here we go. I have some last thoughts on the Woodhull Summit that I have been recapping and bringing up these past few episodes. But first, I'm going to dump out the other swag bag that I received that week. As an official blogger for the conference, I was invited to a blogger-only pajama party hosted by SheVibe.com, makers of sexy toys. I carried my pajamas around all day in preparation for the event, which included a poetry slam, but I ended up having to slip out early after meeting the founder and meeting some other bloggers and realizing I was probably too old to sit on the floor all night. So here's the contents of my bag. Oh my. Uh, it is a t 
Tantus Rumble Rechargeable Cordless 7-Speed Vibrator, which I happen to know because I looked it up, um, is a pretty high-end sort of item. So everybody check your Christmas stockings. I have lots of colorful condoms from SheVibe. Um, I have a little plastic container that I had to have someone explain to me is for putting uh, items maybe of an illegal nature, um, uh, party, party enhancers, let's see, uh, some liquid, oh, a bunch of liquid, um, a lovely tiny, 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 tiny vibrator for a doxy, little vibrator keychain, I don't know if I'll be able to use that, um, an entire bottle of satin liquid. It's a natural, intimate moisturizer, beautiful blue bottle. Uh, some eye shades with some really neat uh, squiggles on them so that the person seeing you in the night when you're wearing it will get a lot of enjoyment. You won't see anything. Um, a bottle of Sliquid Organic Coconut Oil Moisturizer Sole. Very nice. Um, a pin with dildos on it. I will not be able to show that to anyone. Um, got some ads for various neat items I will be studying. A tiny, tiny, tiny little um, penis-shaped object that I'm actually not sure what it is, but it's adorable. Uh, business cards from people I met in the bag. And... Yeah, oh, and this perhaps is the coolest thing, and it's something you might want to check out. It is a uh, NSFW Totally Naughty Coloring Book, curated by Lady Cheeky, the art by SheVibe.com. This is actually one of the things that SheVibe is best known for, and uh, it's, I'm going to put a picture of it on the show notes. Um, I think you might find it kind of neat. Um... And uh, if you're into coloring, this is something you could do, but uh, not at work and uh, not probably in front of most people you know. So there you are. That was my my lovely gift bag from the pajama party given by SheVibe.com. That's S-H-E-V-I-B-E dot com. So to finish up on the conference, I just want to thank the lovely people that I met there. I met several people who, um, I can't out their names, but I just, um, really enjoyed meeting you all. I had a really, really nice time and I learned a lot and it was unlike any other event I've been to, but also very much like every event I've been to in that when you bring together people who care about an issue, it really doesn't matter whether it's, you know, any of the other things that I've gone to events for. It just seems to be that when you bring people together of like mind, they enjoy being together, and they get things done, and ideas are exchanged. It's really wonderful. I also want to say that I met Joan Price, who uh, was on episode 26. She was in possession of a tiara <laughs> that a mutual friend gave to her in honor of my designating her the reigning queen of senior sex when she was on the show. I heard her in person give a session on tips for senior sex that really proved to me why she is so popular a speaker on this topic. She's direct, she's lighthearted, she's filled with truly helpful advice. My notes are, 
I have pages and pages of notes. I also ran into several other folks I've interviewed on Our Better Half, which either means that I have great taste in guests or that my guests have great taste in conferences. Check the show notes for information on Woodhall. And now, I want to introduce you to our newest podcast contributor, Dr. Sandra Schroer. She's an associate professor of sociology at Muskingum University, and she is our new sexology correspondent. Well, we've probably all experienced sex that was forgettable. (laughs) How about sex that made you forget? What I want to talk today about is called transient global amnesia, and it does just that. So transient global amnesia, which is referred to as TGA, of course, we have to have an acronym. (laughs) It's a sudden temporary episode of memory loss that's not related to things like epilepsy or a stroke. And so that's the good news. It has no long-term side effects and no permanent damage. It often takes place immediately after an orgasm. Hmm. It's pretty rare. And it's a temporary form of amnesia. It appears to be related to the restricted blood flow that goes to the brain. And it takes place somewhere in the jugular vein and often during sex, but it can happen with other strenuous exercises too. Does it happen to both men and women? It does. It happens to both men and women, but it is fairly rare. Only about five people in 100,000 people annually will experience this. Huh. How about age? People over 50. (laughs) So this is something we can either look forward to or fear, I suppose. (laughs) Absolutely. But I've got a little experiment for you because we want to know what causes TGA. Mm -hmm. So during sex, the abdominal muscles are often engaged in what is called the Valsalva maneuver. And the best way to demonstrate for this is to have you do a little exercise with me. I'm ready. Keeping your nose and your mouth closed, try very gently exhaling. What happened? I kind of collapsed in. Where did you collapse in? My abdomen. Mm-hmm. And you also might feel your bottom rise up off the seat a little bit? Yeah. The muscles in the abdomen are bearing down, and that's what's actually happening. It's very similar to when we go to the bathroom. <laughs> but we do this during sex, and it's called the Valsalva Maneuver, it's named after Antonio Maria Vassalva, who was living back in the late 1600s. It uh, changes the blood pressure, which ultimately has an impact on blood flow to the brain. If only five out of 100,000 people have experienced this, could it actually be more common and people just don't tell anyone? Absolutely. Unfortunately, though, it's quite a scary experience because people immediately following the orgasm lose awareness of where they are at or what they have been doing. Oh. They are aware they're aware of who they are and they often remember who their partner is, but they will repeat themselves over and over and over because it's their short term memory that's been damaged for a short while. How far back is it like <laughs> is it when they gave consent? Or is it when they decided to go to bed with <laughs> someone or like how far back does it go? I'm not exactly sure. I don't, I don't think the research has really looked at how far back it will go. It does not affect long-term memory. Okay. So it does appear to be the memory of things that were going on that day. So what's scary about this is that people sometimes think they're having a stroke. They go to the emergency room, and doctors have to decipher whether this is something that is truly a neurological problem 
or whether this is simply this temporary experience of TGA. What other demographics or other things do we know about it? We don't know very much more about the demographics. It does appear to be isolated to people who are between the ages of 50 and 80. And as I said, it can be both men and women. And it can be people, uh, only about five people in 100,000 each year experience that. Now, that's in the United States. I understand that the statistics are different in some other countries. More or less. More frequent in some other countries. Interesting. Yeah. The primary symptom is a loss of memory, and that's exhibited by repetitive questioning. But people stay alert. So they may repeat things like, where am I, or where are we, or what just happened, which certainly is not something anyone wants to hear from their lover. (laughs) (laughs) So let's say uh, someone has experienced this with it, and they go, oh, I had this, or my partner had this. You said that there's not permanent damage. No, and the disorientation tends to only last between one and eight hours. However, uh, they do recommend that you be seen by a physician just to make sure that there are no other issues that could have taken place. You know, imagine memory loss can be very alarming, and certainly it produces more anxiety for partners. It can also be a part of future anxiety once someone realizes what they've experienced. But most people do not experience this more than once. Oh, okay. So having it once does not mean it's going to happen again. Correct. But you become part of medical history because it's pretty rare. (laughs) Yes. Okay, that is fascinating. Yep, it is fairly. I will put a link to information about transient global amnesia in the show notes. And I thank you very, very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure being with you today. In case you are not following news in the world of sex, no worries, old people. I have you covered. There was news this week of an Italian town where longevity and late-life sex are clearly correlated, if not related. Does second-half sex help you live longer, or does living longer healthily give you more time for sex? I don't know. But what I do note is the word rampant in the article. Rampant senior sex. I am not sure whether to be offended, since it is clearly ageist to use that term for people just doing what comes naturally. But perhaps I should feel glad, as a word person, that they've sent a lot of people to Dictionary.com for a new vocabulary word, thinking that it was a new technique. Sex education at school. It? Well, it sucks. And apparently this is universal over time and across cultures, according to a study on the topic. Young people do not want to sit in classrooms with their peers learning about sex. Or rather, they don't want to sit there and not learn about sex because scholastic approaches to the topic generally leave out what kids don't know and leaves in the stuff they already knew and is entirely absent of anything positive on the topic, which is unlikely to be popular. It's also taught by folks who are not likely to want to be teaching it, unlike other topics, nor have training in it, in an environment where the greatest concern around sex is making sure teachers aren't thinking about it when it comes to the pupils. But thank you, France, to the rescue. A 3D model of the internal clitoris is part of a new educational model for all French kids. There's no word 
on homework assignments. And speaking of school, University of Texas has an open carry problem that it never dreamed of, I'm quite sure. A protest against the carrying of firearms on campus led to students brandishing enormous dildos, often strapped to their backpacks, quite openly. 5,000 colorful, large dildos. And the slogan for the protest was, Wangs, not bangs. My question is, will this be on the test? And the headline most not clicked on this week will surely be a report on a study that more sex in later years is healthy for women, but associated with heart health problems for older men. The thing is, I'm pretty sure a lot of guys are weighing the risks of mowing the lawn with making love to their partner and deciding on the latter. Older women, however, are smiling because drop-dead gorgeous just got a whole new meat. It's time to let go of episode 31 and say goodbye. Old people, your orgasms are important. Consider an early bird special, if that suits you, or enjoy an orgasm to start your day. Grab a partner, take a solo flight, and thank you for listening. Hey, this is Dan Savage from the Savage Lovecast and Savage Love, and you're listening to a Swing Set podcast at Swing Set FM. Paradise. Naked people. All-inclusive drinks and food. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Life on the Swing Set is taking over Desire Resort and Spa in Cancun this November 5th through 12th. Desire is like sandals for swingers and other non-monogamous folks. A place that celebrates our sexuality and allows for the kind of bacchanals we truly love. Making our fifth trip a takeover means our already diverse, inclusive, and delightfully geeky group gets the run of the place. We control the music, the events, the theme nights, the orgies. And all will be focused on making this the best way to do Desire Resort and Spa. Whether you're a swinger, poly, a nudist, or just curious. So, come with us this November and book now, because less than 15 rooms remain. Head to ssdesire.com for more information. We'll see you in paradise. We'll see you in paradise. We'll see you in paradise. paradise.